church is happening now. So if you have a kid in children's church, uh, we'll see in a little bit. They'll be coming back up at the conclusion of the, of the sermon and rejoin the service, okay? It's all intentional, I promise. All right, so um, glad you're here to worship with us this morning. Um, join me in prayer, and in particular, if you agree with me on some of the things going on with Kenya, that God would work in a mighty way. You know, right now, I think there's still a hostage situation in a mall in Nairobi. Uh, I want to pray about that this morning and uh, just lift that up to God. So uh, pray with me. Father, um, we, we just want to uh, come before you now and, and declare that you are king. You are king of the universe and, and king of this planet. And nothing is beyond your grasp. Your arm is strong. And so we come to you and ask you to intercede, intervene in this situation right now in Nairobi with these, with these gunmen, these terrorists in this mall. Uh, and God, that, that these hostages, these innocents would be released. Father, please release them. May, may you protect them. And enough people have died already. I think 59 is what I heard. Uh, God, just I pray your peace for the families of those whose lives will be changed forever because of this. Send your peace. May people find you through this. And may those that have committed this also find justice. God, do a great work there. Bring, bring intervention, bring resolution to this issue. God, I agree also with Jerry who asked for prayers for the New Orleans missions trip. God, I lift them up and I pray that you'd use that team in powerful ways to, to both help people with, with physical needs uh, and, and help them to, uh, to understand and see their need for a savior, their, their spiritual need. We know that poverty comes in many different shades and, and, and need comes in many different forms. And I pray that this team would be able to talk, to, to speak to both, to help both of them. Oh God, empower them. Fill them with your spirit as they go. May, may they be so ready to do your work. Protect them from the evil one. I, I pray that they would go in strength and power your power, that is, even if on their human side there's weakness, I, I pray they go in your power. God, um, now as we look at your word, I pray that you would open it to us, that is, that you, would, that you would show us what you want us to receive this morning as truth and what you, we, what you want us to receive as, as a challenge, an encouragement, maybe even a rebuke for, for our lives. We just want to hear from you, and so I pray that you'd help me to, to be that, that voice that your spirit uses to share that, trusting in you. Thank you for this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 4. If this is your first time at Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church, uh, Thank you for being here. And we are studying the book of Revelation this fall all the way into Christmas. By the time we get to Christmas, we'll probably be focusing on heaven, which is, which is a, beautiful, a beautiful thing to be thinking about at Christmas time. Christ's second coming and our being with him forever. Uh, right now we're at the beginning of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4. Uh, the series is called Unveil because uh, we believe that Revelation is really all about Jesus. It's, the first words are, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. So that's what we're doing here in the service. Um, you have notes in your, your, you have a blank note page in your bulletin to take notes. Uh, this morning's going to be a little bit different in that I'm not putting notes on the screen. I'm not giving you things to write down. I, I just want you to hear what the text is saying. Uh, write down what you think God is saying to you, what, what you're seeing there. Uh, and I am also not using uh, notes as I preach. So, uh, 
that'll be an interesting thing, right? Uh, so let's, uh, let's get to it. And I'm trusting the Spirit to use uh, my words and, and use this time however he wants, okay? So uh, that doesn't mean I studied, though, okay? I did study, just, just to put that out there. All right. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, here we are. Let's read uh, all of chapter 4 here. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And once I was in the Spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth hat was flying, was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So John says, after this I looked. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked. Meaning, uh, there there was some some time lapse probably between his letters to the churches and this vision. He doesn't tell us how long it took. Was it almost immediate? Was it a little bit of time? We don't know. But but it was after those things he saw before. He says, I looked. And he sees this door in heaven. And then he hears that trumpet voice again from chapter 1. You remember that? The voice like a trumpet. That's Jesus. He doesn't say Jesus, but he says it's a voice like a trumpet. And if you looked back at chapter 1, he heard that trumpet voice before. It was Jesus talking to him. And he says that that, that Jesus called him to come up here and and he wanted to show him what would take place after this. So he says, at once I was in the Spirit. So he's in the throne room of heaven. And it says he's there and, and he's looking at the throne. And you'll notice that he doesn't really describe the being sitting on the throne. I mean, yeah, he says, it's like Jasper, Carnelian, there's like this, this rainbow that's like an emerald. You know, it's like, it's like he doesn't, he has no words to say anything about that person on the throne other than to say, it's just glorious. And, and he's thinking of precious stones, like, like looking at, at like an emerald. But it was also kind of like a rainbow. I mean, how many of you, when you're driving, ever see a rainbow in the sky and say, ah, oh, whatever, you know, just keep driving, you know, I mean, what... No, I mean, I, I would start the car like, kids, you've got to see this. It's a rainbow, you know? And, and we, we all stop and look when we see a rainbow. And, and so, so, so John's thinking about this like it's like a rainbow, 
but but it's kind of also like an emerald, and, and it's like he just he's just trying to get at it. it it's bright, it's glorious, it's beautiful. There, there's nothing like it, and he has no words to actually give us, you know, a physical description of the one on the throne. He doesn't do that, but he does give us a physical description of other beings in heaven. The first one he describes to us are the elders. Verse 4. There's 24 of them. They're in white, which usually denotes purity, maybe righteousness. And they have crowns of gold on their heads. Now, now, a lot of different ideas on who these elders are. Some suggest uh, that there's some priests in the Old Testament where their number's 24 and that that could be these these elders, um, I I happen to think again, not that this is this is the absolute truth, but if you take the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve apostles, which by the way, if you looked at Revelation twenty one, when we get to heaven, there's going to be like these these twelve gates in the New Jerusalem and twelve foundations, right? And, and the twelve gates represent the twelve tribes, it says, and the twelve foundations represent the twelve uh, apostles which again suggests all of God's people throughout history. Israel in the Old Testament. Us in the New Testament. You know, the church. And so, keeping in that that mind 12 and 12 equals 24, and 12 is such a significant number with God's people, uh, my suggestion is these elders represent the people of God. Made pure because of Christ. They're wearing white. Wearing crowns because they've received their reward from the Father for faithfulness in this life, for trusting in Jesus Christ, the crown of life. They've received their rewards. Also, uh, I don't want to jump forward too much, but you'll notice that at the end of chapter 4, when the elders say something, they're, they're speaking very created being sort of talk. You created everything. You created us. Which kind of sounds like what we say to God. God, you created us, you know. I'm just saying, it sounds... I, my best thought is these elders represent us. Oh, the fact that they all have thrones. They all have thrones too, right? Church of Thyatira, uh, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says, to him who conquers, I'm going to give the right to rule the nations. So, so the church is going to have this ruling ability with Jesus. We will rule with Jesus. So again, the idea that these elders are sitting on thrones suggests that they're ruling. And then you have the sounds of heaven, John describes. And again, it's like, how do you, how do you put in human terms what you're hearing? And so he's like, it's like lightning, it's like thunder. We've had a lot of thunderstorms up here. You've heard some of the booms that, that wake you up, you know, at night. It's just, just this thunderous stuff coming out. And then he describes four creatures. He's like, okay. So the first creature is like a lion. Second, like an ox. I'm in verse 7. The third of the face like a man. And the fourth, like a flying eagle. And these creatures have six wings and they're covered with eyes. Later, if you want, you could look at Ezekiel chapter 1. Hundreds of years earlier, Ezekiel probably saw these same creatures and wrote about them. They sound very, very similar. The prophet Ezekiel, when he, when he had his vision of heaven. And I don't know, I just, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, you think about these creatures, you know, the lion, 
the eagle, the wings all around, the eyes all over them. I mean, just, just think if we saw one of these creatures today. I mean, just think about it. I mean, think about the size. I mean, I mean yeah, I'm, I, what, what, would it fill this room, just one of them? Would it be I mean, imagine if this thing came down, the eagle one just came down and is right here in front of us. What we would do, what we would say, I mean, I, I could just imagine it filling this entire room and then some. And, and John's trying to tell us what it is he's seeing. And it's just astonishing. And, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like, if these are the creatures of heaven, the created things in heaven, imagine the one that sits on the throne, whom I have no words to tell you what I was seeing when I saw him. Now, what I want to do is really zero in on what the worship is like in heaven. That's what I want to do this morning. The four living creatures, the four living creatures, and this is a, a, in, in, your, in your Bibles, you can see this is set apart. Their worship is, goes like this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. What they do is they declare God's holiness. Three times saying holy is like putting it in the superlative. It's like there's no one holy like he is holy. What, what's holiness? Holiness is, is this idea that, that you are set apart. S- some people, some scholars think the, ver- the, the word holy means like to cut. It, mean, it means like there's this, this, but there's a separation between them. That, that there's a difference. And so, you know, I, I have a little creature in my house named Tisha. She's a dog. A lot of you have dogs. Dogs are fairly common. And then growing up, I had this little creature I named Tiger. Tiger's a cat. A lot of you have cats. And that, that's a category of creature. And then there's people like us. We're human beings. There's billions of us on the planet. But there's only one of God. And I think it's like, if you think about what holy means, to say you're the holiest of the holy, means there's no one like you. That There's cats, dogs, human beings... There's angels, there's a lot of angels, and they're pretty amazing. There's only one of you, which makes him the most valuable being, the most unique being in the universe. You're holy. And you existed before, you existed now, and you're going to exist in the future. You, you were, you are, and you are to come. There's no limits there. It's eternal. Now, that's the praise of the four creatures. Now, if you jump down to what the elders say, the elders, what they do is they, they lay their crowns down and they say, you're worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. Now, I love this. It's, it's like they're saying, it's like they're saying, God, you've given us crowns for our service, to reward us. We, we, we've received a reward from you. And we don't even want to hold on to it. Like standing before God, we look at all the stuff we've accomplished and say, that's nothing. And they just cast down the crowns. We, we, we don't want to hold on to any praise in the presence of God. May this not be at all about us. Because He created us, they say. They say, 
you you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and had their being. It's like, if it wasn't for you, God, we wouldn't be able to be standing here and we wouldn't be able to be praising you. The only reason we're here is because of you. So how dare we hold on to our accomplishments? We're casting them down. They're nothing because they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you. You ever thought about what it means when they say you're worthy of to, to be given all power? You ever think about what that means? Like we're giving God power. What in the world does that mean? Because he, he's omnipotent. There's no limits to God. How can I give God power when I worship? And I think the best answer is we give him our best efforts. All the power that we have for his glory, for his honor. Everything that I am for everything that he is. I can't add to God's power, but I can, I can spend my life using my power for him. That's what we can do as a church. And then when God rewards us and says, well done, good and faithful servant, I'm giving you a crown. We say, okay, I'll hold on to this. But when it comes time to worship, I'm not holding on to my rewards. Because they're nothing in comparison to the one who made me and gave me life. All right. Four creatures give their praise. The 24 elders give their praise. Chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming it in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Let's talk about scrolls for a minute. If you died and you left behind a will, it might be sealed. And those that have the the seal, there was a signet ring and you could press your ring into the seal and it would mark that scroll. You have the honor to open it because you're wearing the ring. You have the right ring on. And you could match it. In fact, you could reseal it later because you have the ring. Now, this doesn't say that there's any ring involved here, but they are asking who gets to open the scroll. The scroll is at the right side of God, the one on the throne, and it's like, who can do this? Who can open this up? Seven seals. And John is just broken over this. You know, he, he's, you know, we kind of read it and say, it sounds overly dramatic, but let, let me tell you, if you're in the throne room of God and something goes wrong there, what do you do? You know, I mean, we have things go wrong on this planet, on earth, and we could be hundreds of miles away, right, Jerry? Hundreds of miles away, and we want to get down to New Orleans and keep helping for something that happened years ago. Like, we want to help fix it. And John's in heaven and he's like, how could this be so wrong? How can there be nobody that can take the scroll and open it? 
in all of heaven, nobody. And so he weeps. And then they say, no, what's on the scroll? Does that add to his sorrow? I think it might. If I was going to tell you what was on this, I mean, there's different ideas about what's on the scroll. Um, some say Lamb's Book of Life. I'm, I'm not quite there. Uh, John MacArthur says uh, it's the title deed to the world. Uh, maybe. I mean, we're not told exactly what's in there. I would connect it to the coming judgments. When the seals get opened, judgment comes. And so these are the judgments of God on the earth for their wickedness. Some have even tried to be more specific than that and say, oh, this is because mankind has broken the covenant with God. And these are the curses that come on people when they break God's covenant. And they're unfaithful. Uh, Maybe. But I think in a general sense, we could probably agree that the seal contains the will of God. What, What needs to happen according to God's will. And John, I mean... You think about how we pray. You think about even how we pray. Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I'm asking you to do things on earth like they are in heaven. The assumption is, in heaven, everything goes God's way perfectly. In heaven, evil doesn't get even an inch of room to operate in heaven. No way, no how. And yet, on earth... We see evil operate. We see Satan doing things that we think he would never get away with that in heaven and not in the throne room of God. And John says, how can it be that I'm here and, and something's not working right? No one, can, no one can accomplish God's will as it's contained in the scroll. How can that be in this place of all places? Now, we have the benefit of being able to read this at a distance and say, Oh, I know how it's going to play out. I know how it's going to play out. This is like this is like when you're, you know, I, I was at a conference a few mo- uh, last month, and they're introducing speakers at, at Willow Creek, and it's like when they want to bring somebody up, they, they have someone before them come up and give a beautiful introduction. Like this person did this, this, this. They wrote this book. They're a wonderful person. I know them personally. Great guy. Great woman. You got to hear them. They get introductions. And I think all this shows an introduction, albeit the the most amazing introduction ever, of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who accomplished God's will by dying on the cross. He's also the one that will accomplish God's will and bring history to conclusion. Because he's worthy, like nobody's worthy. So, verse 6, verse 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Uh, just, just catch this now. Jo- John just heard the words. John heard the words. The one who's worthy is the line of the tribe of Judah. If I took you to Genesis 49, which you can write down and look at later, Genesis 49, around verse 11 and 12, uh, Judah is one of Jacob's sons, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob, before he dies, calls Judah a lion. You're like a lion's cub. And the scepter will never pass from Judah. You, 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 this tribe is going to rule. And now we see ultimately who Jacob was referring to, the lion of Judah that was prophesied so long ago. But when John sees 
the lion, he doesn't look like a lion. I mean, I think we're supposed to catch maybe a little bit of surprise there. It's like the lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. Here he is. And John looks and it's like, it's a lamb that looks like he's been killed. The lion is a lamb. Verse 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. See, there are harps in heaven. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Just as incense rises, so do uh, prayers rise to God. That, that, that's the symbol of incense. Before I tell you what they sang, before I read what they sang here, um, I want to talk about the seven eyes real, really fast. Um, Jesus is full of the Spirit of God. And this, the Spirit is described as the seven spirits of God. Seven is a number that indicates fullness, completeness. And so the idea is not that there's seven gods here represented by seven eyes. The idea is there's one Jesus and one Holy Spirit who's fully in and upon Jesus Christ. Jesus is full of the Spirit. And the Spirit glorifies Jesus, as we're told. That's one of his main duties, is to glorify Jesus. Now, here is what the, uh, the elders and the beasts join into a choir. Okay? Elders and beasts together now. Let's do this. This is what they, this is what they sang. A new song. They say, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. They're saying, Jesus, you're worthy because it was God's purpose to take people from every different nationality, meaning that there's not, there's not a millimeter of room for racism in the kingdom of God. Not even a not even not even a, a fraction of that, because God has taken people from every different nationality, and made them into a kingdom and made them priests. There's no room for thinking that the American church really has it right, and other churches, you know, don't, we have so much to learn from them. There's no room for that because we are all a kingdom and we're all priests, and this is what God wanted. God wanted to take sinners like you and me and make us priests. And Jesus said, I'll do that. I'll get that done. Cost me my life. I will do it. And so he has the honor when it comes to who's going who's gonna to finish off history according to God's purposes. It's Jesus that says, I will do that. I will do that again. Whatever my Father wills, I will do. So they sang a new song to Christ. All 28 of them. Uh, then I looked, verse 11, and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in the loud voice they sang, 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength, honor and glory and praise. They're praising Jesus, which again is one of the one of the uh, hallmarks of deity. I mean, Jesus is God. Any any person that wants to argue that the Bible doesn't teach that Jesus is God need only look at the throne room of heaven and see that angels praise him and say, there's there's no one like you. You're worthy to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and strength, honor, and glory, and praise. All for you, Jesus. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6. Remember Isaiah's vision in the year King Uzziah died? Isaiah says, I had a vision of the Lord seated on the throne. Right? Old Testament, Yahweh on the throne. And then uh, the Apostle John in John chapter 12 says, Oh, by the way, that was Jesus on the throne. You know, I, I love that. J- John chapter, we've got to read it sometime. It's like, Isaiah saw the Son's glory. That's what he says. Isaiah saw it. Um, this is Jesus who was slain and is now alive. And then verse 17 Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Here's what we've done. Here's what we've seen in in the throne room of heaven. We started with the praise in heaven in chapter 4, verse 8, you had four creatures. Four. In verse 11, 24 elders started praising God. A little louder. Then in chapter 5, verse 9, you have elders, 24 elders, and four creatures, that'd be 28, joining together and getting louder. And then in verse 11, you've got millions of angels, 10,000 times 10,000, millions, hundreds of millions of angels. And, and, and you can imagine, John, I mean, we just read this and go, oh, that's cool. But think about how loud that would be. Hundreds of millions of angels. Turn off your hearing aids, you know? I mean... It's going to blow your eardrums away. I don't know how John recovered. You know? (laughs) There's no earplugs for this. And John's hearing this. Hundreds of millions of angels praising God. The choir has grown by a little bit. And then you've got verse 13. He hears every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Every single created being in the universe. Praising God. It just got louder and louder, and louder. And when I read that, I say to myself, I fall short of the glory of God 
would you take a minute with your notes or closing your eyes quietly and write down whatever you hear God saying to you right at this point right now? Would you do that for a minute? Worship team, would you come on up and get ready? We're going to sing a little bit here. Would you write down a prayer to God in response or say, or close your eyes and say a prayer to God in response? What, what did he say to you this morning in Revelation 4 and 5? Jesus, Holy Spirit and Father, please help us worship you with all that we have, both here when we're gathered together and there when we leave. May we use our strength and our power and give that power to you, for you. Thank you for showing us what's going on in heaven and what we have to look forward to. And now may we make a joyful noise to you.